Welcome. Uh, we're in our last, the very last uh, sermon in our Bad Advice uh, series. And although, you know, Pastor said last week that he had a difficult time uh, with it, I don't. <laughs> because uh, I'm good at bad advice. I probably have more experience with it than he does. Uh, that's why he has, uh, he has such a problem because he's done most things right in his life and I haven't. Uh, so uh, when you've got more experience with the bad stuff, uh, maybe you get a little bit more into the, uh, the giving the bad advice uh, part of it. Before we get going, uh, I feel like I, I need to make a kind of a, a preliminary comment about what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about the subject of addiction. And uh, I'm sure that there are people in this room um, who, uh, maybe multiple people, uh, who have dealt with serious and destructive addictions, uh, either in your life or in the life of a loved one. Um, there are some addictions that require professional help, okay? Uh, very serious and destructive things. Uh, those addictions are not what we're talking about this morning, okay? At least not, at least not directly. And so I don't want anything that I say uh, here uh, today to be construed as, as making light uh, of any of those, uh, of those issues. Uh, that said, the title of the series is Bad Advice. Uh, and the title for today is Bad Advice for Being a Better Addict. Uh, or subtitles, because you know that I love subtitles. Might as well face it, you're addicted to what? Um, the reason uh, the title is How to Be a Better uh, Addict, and not just How to Be an Addict, uh, is that you're already an addict. Everyone in this room. Um, we're just looking at better, bad advice for being a better one. So, so let's jump in. And uh, I like history. I like studying the origins of words. Uh, have you ever like, said a word in everyday life and say, man, that word sounds funny? I wonder where that word came from. I mean, a word that you might have used like every day. That happens to me frequently. Uh, so I, I was curious about the origin uh, of the word addict. Uh, and it, it actually, uh, like a lot of words that we use, has a Latin uh, origin. Uh, and it was a legal term uh, used in the Roman Empire. Uh, and it, it meant to, uh, to deliver or hand over formally in accordance with a judicial decision. So for example, uh, when you couldn't pay your debts in Roman society, uh, what would happen is they had debtors, prisons, and things like that. Uh, and so your creditor would take you to court. And if the judge found that you did indeed owe this money and that you could not pay this money back, uh, then you would be handed over to your creditor. Uh, literally, you became addicted to your creditor. Uh, that's how the term uh, was used uh, in Roman society. In fact, uh, when... Uh, as they often did, Roman soldiers conquered uh, a city or a region, a group of people. Uh, the soldiers would be given uh, the conquest, the, the, the people that were conquered would be given over to these uh, soldiers as a prize um, for the victory. Uh, and those, those people were actually referred to as addicts because they were addicted to, they were given over to uh, their masters. Now, in that context, uh, addiction was obviously involuntary, right? Uh, but by the 16th century, the word had evolved uh, into something a little bit 
different. Uh, the use of the word uh, became, uh, came to reference anyone who voluntarily gave themselves over to something. Um, but whether voluntary or involuntary, the result of addiction is the same, right? It's a transfer of control over your life from you to someone or something else. And everybody has given themselves over to something. And, I, you know, I, I hesitated, you know, kind of with the title, uh, to be honest, uh, the sermon and, and talking about it beforehand, because I feel like people come into a subject like this with some preconceived ideas about addiction. Obviously, that's something that other people deal with. It's not something that I deal with. That's, you know, this, this category of, of things over here, and I've never touched that or done that or experienced that. But I want you to put aside all of those, the, the, the baggage that kind of surrounds the word uh, addict or addiction, uh, and, and start with this premise that everyone gives themselves over to something. Everyone is addicted to something. And that's why I, I had this, uh, the, the subtitle, might as well face it, you're addicted to what? Right? For Robert Palmer, it's love. For you, it may be uh, something else. I had to get my 80s lyrics reference in somewhere this morning. Um, lots of, there's lots of areas of potential addiction uh, that we could talk about. Uh, but I'm going to talk about four areas that I think are maybe unexpected for you, but maybe touch on uh, areas in each one of, uh, of our lives. Uh, four areas in your life in which you can become a better addict. And uh, the first one is this. Uh, be more addicted to the pursuit of better stuff. Now, uh, I, when we talk about stuff, I mean, I could talk about all kinds of different things uh, in life uh, that we pursue. But, um, but I'm going to focus on some specific things, okay? But here's the essential component of being, really giving yourself over to the pursuit of better stuff. And the essential component is this. You need to know all the stuff that's out there. And I call this the awareness principle, all right? Uh, you can't want it if you don't know it's there. That only makes sense, right? You've got to be aware that it's out there. You can't want it if you don't know that it's there. And so uh, my, one of my favorite examples of this is cars, vehicles, right? Who doesn't want a better one? I do, all the time. But you can't know what's better if you don't start looking, right? I mean, you gotta look to begin with. So my advice to you is this, and because I like to do this, right? Uh, uh, walk the car lots, you know, that are, that are out there. You know, you find out what's new, you find out what's better, uh, you know, press your face against the window, uh, sit in, uh, smell the new. There's nothing like a new car smell. Right? I mean, there's new car, new money. I don't know. There's not, not much else that competes with uh, a new car smell. But pre press your face against it. If you get lucky, I found that if you go out at night, every once in a while, they'll leave the car unlocked, and you can actually sit in the car without any salesman bothering you. Uh, so uh, there's, no, there's no better way uh, to, uh, to advance your pursuit of better stuff than, than the, the car lot trip. But if you're too lazy for that, and some of you, uh, some of you are, um, put, too lazy to put the work in of actually going out uh, to the car lot, spend hours online, right, checking for the new car. Uh, you can check, it's amazing what technology can do for you nowadays. Pensacola to Seattle, right, I can check every single car uh, that's out there. Uh, and if you're married, you get bonus points, right, because you can annoy your spouse 
by constantly being online, checking every single thing that's out there, every model, every package of everything. I mean, if you don't know what's there, there's no way that you can, I mean, how can you, how can you know what you're doing if you don't know what's out there? Uh, I myself, I get flooded with really helpful emails to remind me that the vehicle that I just bought, there's now a new and improved model of the vehicle uh, that I just bought. Uh, and the vehicle that I did have now no longer good, as good as the one that's out there uh, now. And so uh, GMC is very good about sending me uh, those emails just to let me know that my pursuit of better stuff is not at an end because there is now something better uh, than what I had. And let me tell you, there's nothing that's more fun than being addicted to car payments, right? Nothing better than, uh, nothing better than that, nothing that really frees you up to do what you want in life. Uh, like, being, uh, like being a slave uh, to the, the finance company. Uh, so, you know, that's a, that's a big one. Maybe that's not your thing. Um, uh, one of the things that I find that happens a lot is, is, is with houses. Um, does anybody watch HGTV yeah. here? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Those shows where they take some shack, right, some like, like, like nothing shack, and like they chip and Joanna turn it into like the Taj Mahal you know, and it's, it's, just, it's just amazing, you know, and you sit there, I don't, maybe nobody else does this, okay, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, we all have different experiences, but, you know, then suddenly your house is a shack, you know, I mean, what could Chip and Joanna do with your house if you really gave them the opportunity, and you say, man, oh, look at my floor, this is horrible, look at this, I mean, you know, suddenly, so uh, a really good way to advance your, your addiction to, to better stuff uh, is, to, is, is, is to watch those kind of shows and then just kind of really fantasize uh, about uh, what, what your, how your house could be, could be better. There's a store that sends out uh, these catalogs. Uh, maybe that's kind of old-fashioned, but they still send, they still, still send it out. Uh, and because I'm sure many people will listen to the podcast of this message, I don't want to use the store's name, uh, so uh, we'll call it Bottery Parn. Uh, and uh, Bottery Parn sends out these you know, catalogs of you know, all this cool stuff that you can buy for your house, so, and you can go online. So make sure you know, when you get something like that in the mail to spend a lot of time looking at the, the, the really cool newest thing at home decor uh, that you don't have, and remember how great your life could be if you really had that genuine uh, imitation apothecary table or a, like a, like a, a fake telescope you know, that, like, that sits in the middle of the room that doesn't see anything, right? I mean, it just, just sits, sits there. Um, as an aside, I have a real telescope that just sits there if anybody would like to, uh, to purchase it. Um, also, um, Bottery Parn does a really good job uh, making sure that you, you see all of the great ways that your, your, your children's lives uh, could be uh, improved. Um, look at these, the, the, the children in these pictures uh, and, and how happy they are with their customized bedrooms. I think that, that one, the first kid, I mean, it's like a boat. The bed is a boat. What do your kids sleep in? Right? Probably it's a regular bed. Right? It's horrible. Uh, and the next one, I think we got the, these two girls that, you know, playing in this princess room. It's beautiful. And, you know, think about the slum that your children live in or your grandchildren uh, live in. Uh, if you buy this stuff, and the picture, I mean, your children will be happy and they'll love you forever. And that's really important. But no matter what, always remember uh, when you're pursuing, you know, this, this addiction, giving yourself over to it, 
that your house is okay, but it could be better. It could be better. I'm not saying it's a shack. I'm just saying it could be better. All right, so keep that in mind. Uh, and if all else fails and you're not the type that gets into the TV or the catalog or whatever uh, type of thing, uh, just go over to, you know, we all have a friend who's got a better house, you know, a better thing, whatever, than we have. So go over to their place uh, and spend a little time there. And then as you're driving home, you know, talk about how, you know, you'd like to do this with your, you know, house and it would be so much better and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, you know, talk about these big things, cars and, you know, houses and things. And there's whatever your stuff is uh, that's kind of your thing. Um, I kind of have a catch-all category I call miscellaneous crud. Okay? Now, I have to use the word crud because pastor said I couldn't use other words that are out there. But whatever word works for you, you insert it uh, in there. All right? Miscellaneous crud. Whenever you have time off, like, you know, you work hard all week, right? You get a Saturday. It's like, what do we do today? For fun, go shopping, right? Go shopping. Uh, the rush that you get from buying the stuff that you don't need uh, does make you feel good, right? Plus, just think about it this way. You can sell whatever you bought six months later at a garage sale for five cents, and you recoup, Right, some of the, the, the money there, and then you can kind of do it all over again. So, uh, and here's, a, here's some bonus, bonus bad advice. And I wish I was better at PowerPoint, because if I, if I was, I would make this flash like a little bit for you. It would be better. Here's the bonus bad advice, all right, for the pursuit of, of your addiction to better stuff. Uh, don't take care of what you have. Just don't take care of what you have. Uh, that way it falls apart more quickly, and you can get more stuff, right? You know, I mean, who hasn't, you know, given their phone a toss, you know, every once in a while because Apple's fixing to come out with that new upgrade, and, you know, you need to, need to be able to get the new phone, but that dang phone just won't die, you know? So just don't take care of the stuff that you have, right? Don't take care of the stuff that you have. Eventually, it will fall apart. You can help it along uh, a little bit. Uh, but the, the bottom line is, Addict yourself. Give yourself over to the pursuit and accumulation of better stuff. Uh, once that pursuit, once that addiction controls your spending habits, all right, it's going to control your life. I guarantee it. So that's the first way uh, to be a better addict. Here's a, another thing since we're talking about the phone. Be addicted to a meaningful relationship with your phone. Um, really give yourself over to be controlled by a small piece of plastic and aluminum and circuit boards. Uh, and remember that your phone gives you everything that you need, right? Gives you information, right? New sports and weather, affirmation, social media, people like you, they really, really, really do. <laughs> Communication on your own terms, right? Email and texting, no risk of having to look somebody in the eye. When you talk to them, that one, they can't really know what you're thinking about or detect your tone uh, in anything. And my favorite, which is the ability to block everyone else out. Right, nothing says, stay away from me and mind your own business, like staring at your phone in the middle of a crowded room, right? Um, so I do this one because I think it, it really touches, on, I mean, everybody is, is, is addicted to their phone, almost everybody is addicted to their phone, but I want you to be better uh, at it. So how do, you, how do you get better at what you're already doing? 
Uh, first of all, you got to keep your phone with you at all times, right? And I mean all times. You understand? All times. Um, be aware that sometimes, though, your parents or your spouse or your friends won't understand how important your relationship is with your phone, and they may try to separate you from your phone. Uh, if that happens, you let them know uh, in no uncertain terms that you will resort to violence in order to protect your phone. All right, the phone uh, is key. Remember that life apart from your phone, even for just a little while, uh, could cause you to miss something very, very important. And even worse, you might start to forget that you need your phone, which is not good for your relationship with your phone. All right. And don't let interaction with real people interrupt the meaningful interaction that you have with your phone. If somebody interrupts your game, for example, of Candy Crush, I don't know if that's still a thing or not, don't hesitate to let them know how rude their behavior uh, is. A couple of key things, by the way, for me is always have your phone sitting on the table in front of you so that if it buzzes, chimes, or dings, you can immediately check it, right? Because it could be something super urgent like a notification that somebody has posted a picture of their cat. I mean, it's something that you really, you know, something you really need to know about. Do those, those things, and, and I promise you that pretty soon you won't even have to try uh, anymore. Um, being controlled by your phone will just come naturally. Uh, you won't, uh, and that's really what, that's really what you're going for uh, with addiction. And how will you know that you've arrived, by the way, at that point? Well, there's a lot of telltale signs, but one of them is uh, your muscle memory and your thumb it's so good that you can, you can unlock your passcode and open up whatever app it is, and you don't even know you've done it, right? I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, that, it's that automatic. So those are ways, you know, to feed the compulsion that you have uh, with your relationship uh, with your phone. And don't worry, some, I mean, especially if you're not, you don't come here a lot. Uh, there is, uh, we do have some scripture uh, that we're going to read today, but it, it unfortunately doesn't fit in with the bad advice part of things. It's kind of funny how that works out. Uh, the third area is one I know that touches all of us too, uh, and that's, uh, that's work, uh, how to be more addicted uh, to, to your work. Uh, one day, you and I, we're going to stand before God. We're going to give an account of our lives, uh, and God's going to ask you, me, you know, he's going to ask you um, if you made your bonus goal for the fourth quarter in 2016. Uh, and the answer that you give on that could mean the difference between a small mansion and a big mansion uh, in, uh, in eternity. So, so make sure that you allocate your time on earth accordingly. Uh, it's, it's critical. Um, don't have any boundaries between work and home. This is, this is near to my heart. Um, one of the ways that you do that is you respond, make sure, and it fits back in my phone, see, this is, I'm a professional, all this stuff flows together, all right? This feeds back into to your phone. Um, respond to emails and text messages immediately, right? It doesn't matter how mundane the issue is. Treat everything like it's a life and death situation that deserves your immediate attention, right? Uh, only a slacker works an eight-hour day. So make sure that you're always thinking about work so that even when you're at home, you're really at work. Uh, if you ever feel like your, your addiction to work is starting to lessen, here's what I do. I remember that one slip-up at work could cost me my job. And then if I don't have a job, I can't pay the bills. I can't pay the mortgage. My family will be out 
on the street. That's a valid, valid concern. Don't put your family on the street. Don't put your family on the street. Be addicted to work. Um, and that's a great transition into my last piece of bad advice uh, for this morning. My personal favorite, which is give yourself over, be more addicted to irrational fear. Right? Irrational fear. This is something, I like this one because this is something that if you really try, I mean, it can, it can consume your life in a way that nothing else can. First piece of good, bad advice. Always imagine the worst case scenario, whatever you're dealing with in life. Uh, even though it's never happened before, it probably will happen this time. I mean, you're due. If everything is going well, it's like baseball. You know, I love baseball. You know, it's like the guy's been in a slump. Well, he's got to get a hit this time. He's due. It's a real thing. So if everything is going well in your life, you're due for something really bad uh, to happen. Uh, sure, things, God's taken care of you in the past, but don't focus on the way that God has taken care of you or provided for you in the past. The past is the past. Right? Remember what happened to Job. He's just sitting around minding his own business, having a good time, and then... Bam. You know? I mean, it's in the Bible. You should, you should read it. Uh, stay away from church. Uh, if you really want to let paranoia take hold in your life, uh, you have to stay away from God's word and God's people. Uh, the last thing you need, last thing you need is people, you know, praying for you. Uh, last thing you need is people supporting you. Last, last thing that you need uh, is, is like, a, like a house group or something like that where people like ask you questions about what's going on in your life and really care uh, about it because that will start to give you hope and make you feel like you're not alone. Uh, and that's, that's bad uh, for irrational fear. Finally, don't be a sissy. Uh, that's my favorite one. Don't be a sissy. Make sure that you rely on yourself and yourself alone to handle any problem that you're facing. Uh, in the end, it's all on you, right? I mean, this is America. It's all on you. Sink or swim. The thing I like uh, about fear, irrational fear, is if you really addict yourself to it, nothing will suck the joy out of every area of your life than an addiction to fear. So, I mean, that's, that's some really good, bad advice. And, I mean, does any of it sound familiar to you? Um, in the New Testament, Paul writes to a church located uh, in Corinth, Greece. Uh, and uh, this was a church that was, that was truly messed up. Sometimes I think we get to thinking today that our society is like the worst. Like it's never been as bad as it is today. You know, remember the good old days when everything was good and now look at everything that's happening. You know, yeah, that's just not true. It's not true. You know, you should read your Bible um, uh, it is filled with some pretty bad stuff. Uh, and this church in Corinth was full of people, full of people who professed to be Christians, but had given themselves over to the vilest things, the vilest things that you could possibly imagine. In chapter 6, 1 Corinthians verse 12, the Apostle Paul writes these words, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be brought under the control of anything. Read that in, 
again, in a slightly different translation. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Anything. Now, again, slave, the word slave in the Roman world was synonymous with addict. Synonymous with it. Because, again, when the judge addicted you to your creditor, he made you your creditor's slave. You no longer had control uh, over your life. Paul says, without, I mean, without getting into the whole context of what Paul's talking about in, in chapter, 5, uh, chapter 6 here, Paul says, I have freedom in Christ. All right? I'm not under the law of Moses. Anymore. The law of Moses, I mean, it had like, I mean, and it had rules for everything. Everything. All right? Paul says, I'm not under the law of Moses anymore. I have freedom in Christ. I can do whatever I want. But whatever I do, I have to be vigilant that nothing controls me. That I am not addicted to or enslaved by anything. So that I, I mean, and he goes on, so that I can bring glory uh, to God, and we'll get to that part in a minute. But, you know, why not give yourself over? Why not? You know, why not give yourself over to, to, to what feels good or what's convenient, what seems, you know, what seems to be a good idea at the time? I mean, if you have this, this freedom to do it. Is it because it, you might get a disease? You might fall into financial ruin? You might lose your reputation, right? Or your marriage? Or you might lose your freedom? All that might be true, but for, for the Apostle Paul, it's a, it's a lot more focused than that. See, for him, the question is not about whether something is good for him. Right? It's about whether it honors God. I mean, that's, that, this is a man whose singular focus following his, his conversion on the road to Damascus was living a life that in every single way and everything that he did honored God. Does it bring me closer to God? Does it bring other people closer to God? Does it advance God's purpose for me here on this earth? Paul used similar language uh, to this a couple of chapters later when he talked about the importance of exercising discipline and self-control in our lives. And he uses the example of, uh, and it's, one, it's just one of the great illustrations in the Bible, example of an athlete who goes into strict training in order to win a race. This is 1 Corinthians 9, 26 through 27. He says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. I strike a blow to, or I discipline my body, and I make it my slave. I'm not enslaved. I make my body my slave. I bring it under control so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul's running a race. I mean, there, there's a goal. There's a purpose for his life. Uh, and that goal is a life that fully and completely honors God. And he knows that to get there, to win the race, he's got to discipline himself like, like an athlete training. And, of course, if you've ever trained for anything, and I don't know, maybe, you know, see a lot of finely tuned athletes in here, so you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, if you've ever trained for anything, you don't naturally want to eat things that are good for you, right? I mean, I mean, most people, maybe you're the exception, I don't know. Most people don't want to naturally eat things that are good for them. Uh, you don't naturally want to get up uh, at 5 o'clock in the morning and run 3 miles or 6 miles or whatever, right? You don't naturally want to go to the gym after work. At least that's, that's true for most of us. 
You've got to discipline yourself to do those things. If you want to be successful, I mean, if you're training for a race or whatever, if you want to be successful in whatever your goal is, you've got to discipline yourself to do it. Uh, you know, I can tell you, I don't like getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, all right? I'm not, I consider myself kind of a morning person, but not that morning, not that, you know, it's like not even real morning, it's early, early, it's like night. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough to do those things. We don't naturally want to do it. Paul says, hey, I don't, I don't run around aimlessly, right? I mean, uh, I don't do things haphazardly. I don't just hope that I reach my goal, right? Just because I would really, really like to reach that goal of honoring God. Uh, he says, I, I don't run around aimlessly. I don't punch at the air. I act with purpose. I act intentionally uh, so that when my life on earth is over, I can say I honored God with every part of it. With that in mind, let's look at some good advice for those four areas of addiction. And so here's, I mean, you know, here's the first one. This is really, really deep stuff. I, you should be paying me for this. Stop looking at the stuff, right? Stop looking at the stuff. And this is the awareness principle again. You can't want stuff if you don't know that it's there. Stop window shopping for cars, houses, clothes, televisions, computers, whatever your thing is, right? Turn off the HDGTV, take the Bottery Parn catalog straight out of the mailbox, straight to the, your trash can. It's on that, probably on the outside of your house. You have one of those trash cans. Like, just take it from the mailbox, like whatever it is that comes in the mail for you, right? Just take it, insert it into the trash can right away. Um, or better yet, tell them stop sending the stuff. To you. you know, you can unsubscribe from all kinds of things. But listen up. This is, this is the advice that's going to change your, your financial life right here. And slavery in the financial area is, man, you could spend weeks talking about this, and a lot of you are, are, are better with finances than I am. This is not some little small thing. This is not something I came up with. It's because I needed something to talk about this morning. When you are enslaved financially, it touches on every area of your life. I know, and you know. But here's, here's the, if you don't hear anything else this morning on this issue, just listen to this. On, on the issue of, of, of wanting more stuff. If you don't need one, don't go looking for one. Right? If you don't need one, don't go looking for one. It's shocking all the things that you didn't know you needed until you found out they existed. Right? And Connor and I were watching television. Giant water pick. They have, I mean, it's a giant water pick. You don't have to floss anymore. Right? I mean, it's so powerful, you could put out a fire and clean your teeth with it at the same time. It's amazing. You know, I don't know why I want this giant water pick so much. I didn't even know that it, it was there. I have... Probably many, many things. I didn't get the giant water pick, by the way. Um, probably have many things in my house right now. I mean, it's not that they're bad things necessarily. I got this super cool thermostat that my phone talks to the thermostat. It's, it's crazy, and I love it. But I didn't even know what I needed it because I didn't know it existed. But now, man, when I found out it existed, I had to have it. Not to say, you know, you know I realize you can't shut everything. I mean, don't go looking for things that you don't need. Right? 
If you don't need one, don't go looking for one. Um, and our, our next piece of advice comes from somebody that we all know um, was blessed with incredible, incredible wisdom. Mr. Spock. There's this episode of Star Trek where Spock is, is, uh, is, is overtaken by the Vulcan disease, you know, the, the Ponfar. Um, and he goes back to Vulcan to reclaim his bride. Right? It's one of the best episodes. I mean, maybe you're not a Star Trek person, I am. Goes, uh, goes back, you know, to, to one of the best episodes out there. Goes back to Vulcan to reclaim his bride. And he finds out that she has herself a new man. Right? He's been gone for so long. She's got a new guy and isn't interested in being his, his wife. Uh, anymore. And so Spock, you know, he, you know, a lot happens, fights with Kirk, great fight scene. Um, rele- Spock releases this woman, you know, from their engagement and gives some, some good advice uh, to her, her new boyfriend. Let's listen. Mr. Spock. Here it is. The wanting is better than the having. May not be logical, but it is true. Uh, How many times in your life, man, have you planned and schemed and saved and done all kinds of things to get something only to realize when you got it, it wasn't as good as you thought that it was going to be, right? Um, and then you realized that the having was not nearly as much fun as the wanting. You can apply that to a lot of areas in life, by the way. Uh, you can learn much from, from Mr. Spock uh, on that one. Uh, next, you know, be, a good, be a good steward of what you have. Um, your stuff actually, stuff actually belongs to God. Be thankful for it. Take care of it. Make it last. You know, if you want to, if you, if you want to, to keep yourself out of those places in life where you, you're, you're pursuing more things and, and all that, and you fall into this, this, this addiction uh, where you give yourself over to, to debt, take care of this stuff that you, you've got now. Um, my father uh, has, has said this to me, to me often, you know, that God takes care of us uh, financially uh, sometimes not with new things or with uh, giving us more money or anything like that. Sometimes uh, he makes the things that we have last longer. And my dad, I, I, I think that's true because the man has a car for like 15 years. I mean, it's amazing. You've never, I've never seen anything like it. And by the way, it looks, if you look at his car now, we bought it in 2006, it's 2016. You know, roughly, so roughly about 10 years he's had it. It looks on the inside just as clean and new as it did the day he bought it. Why? Because the man takes care of things like, ugh, it's amazing. Take care of the things that God has given you. You'll be surprised at, at, at what he can do with that. Uh, all right, so that's the stuff part of it. Moving on quickly phone. 
I call this one, put your phone down and slowly back away. Uh, and, you know, and, I, and I'm the worst at this, okay? You know, I mean, my name is Todd. I'm an addicted to my phone, all right? But, I mean, but let's, see, let's see if you are, too. Right? If you can't go to the bathroom without your phone, you know what I'm talking about. You might be addicted to your phone. If you can't have a conversation with a real live person without compulsively checking to make sure that you haven't received a text message or an email, you might be addicted to your phone. If you sit around a table with your friends and family and it looks like this, you might be addicted to your phone. Right? If right now you're pretending like you're looking at a Bible verse but you're really checking Facebook, You might be addicted to your phone. If you sleep with your phone, you got a problem. Uh, if you have an undeniable compulsion to constantly check your phone for no particular reason, your, your thumb just does stuff on its own. I have news for you. You're being controlled by this. You're being controlled by this. And addiction, that's a serious, it's so much more serious than that, Todd. No, I mean, so what, here's, here's what to do, right? This is real practical stuff here. Delete some apps from your phone. <gasps> yeah, try it. You can't check it if it's not there. Delete some stuff from your phone. Or... Go out on a date with your spouse and leave the phone at home. But Todd, we have children and, you know, yeah. all right, one of you take a phone, but not both of you, all right? Or hey, you know what? They still sell flip phones. They're cheap. Try it. So that's all I'm going to say about, about phones, all right? Your job. I mean, come on. I'm addicted to my job, right? You're not your job. I mean, jobs are important. God uses them to provide for us. But I got news for you. Nobody's going to remember you for your job. You may have a really cool job. I mean, I like to think that Dave watches, he's an athletic director, which really means he watches sports for a living. It's just how I, it's how I picture it, Right? that he, when he's not watching live sports, he has like huge televisions in his office where he watches just sports on television. That's all he does. He may have a really cool job like that, but it doesn't matter, right? You may have a really important job, really important job, but nobody is going to remember you for that. Nobody's going to remember, or a few people anyway, will remember your failures or successes at work. After you're gone, your kid's not going to look back and say, hey, mom was a great accountant or a great teacher or a great doctor or whatever. This is not, it's not going to happen. Or, you know, remember that time that dad met his sales goals for the fourth quarter. We were so proud. You know, I mean, it, we live our lives that way, right? I mean, we give ourselves over to our work and all kinds of things as if that's what's going to happen. But it's not what happens. So what do you do? You know, I mean, what do you do? You got to, I mean, create some, to, to keep from giving yourself over to this thing, you got to be disciplined, right? 
Create some boundaries between work and home. Pick a time and decide that after that point in time, here it is. Look up here. Pick a time and decide that after that point in time, you're not going to check your email or your text messages or whatever it is. I don't care what time it is. Five o'clock, six, I pick seven o'clock because I'm, you know, I'm an addict. Uh, I pick seven o'clock, all right? I'm just not going to check it anymore after that. And here's something really great. Be where you're at. Be where you're at. When you're at, I mean, this is, and this is good for everybody. I don't care. What, when you're at work, be at work. Be fully involved in it, right? Give everything you got. When you're, but when you're at home, be at home, right? Be at home. Have your, you know, have your mind right. Here's another thing. Like, you want to keep, keep everything in perspective with your work? Let your, if you're employed, let your employer know that church is a priority for you. That's okay to do. Let your employer know that church is a priority for you. Um, and here's a, here's a side note, and I know we're, we're running out of time. Or we're out of time, but that's okay. Um, let me tell you something. I can't tell you how many people have asked me over the course of however many years to pray with them about their job, to get a new job, I want this job, whatever it is. And most of the time it's, I don't have a job and I need a job. I don't have a job, I need a job. Please pray, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. And we do. And then, lo and behold, they get a job. And then, hey man, or whoever, where were you? Oh man, I had to, you know, I had to work. I was getting ready for my job, you know, my work. It's not good. Don't be addicted to your work. Remember that your value in this life is not your job. The measure of your success is not how successful you are at your job. It's the, the measure of your success is whether or not you have lived a life that honors God. Finally, fear. It's my favorite topic, right? The only thing to fear is, right? And I feel like I'm an expert in this because I get paid to worry. That's my job. I'm a professional warrior. I get paid to worry about other people's problems, right? So I'm, I'm, I know what I'm talking about here. As a practical matter, by the way, from an expert on worrying, most fears are total fantasy, total fantasy. Here's a great quote that I love. I have been surrounded by troubles all my life long, but there is a curious thing about them. Nine-tenths of them never happened. As many people have said versions of that, by the way. That one comes from Andrew Carnegie. Um, Here's how to get, get past it. Stop treating prayer as what you do when nothing else works. Right? Oh, we're all out of options. Better pray. You know, that's what it's come down to. <laughs> you know, I got, I got, I've tried, you know, I've tried this, tried this. Well, baby, what do we do? I don't know. Guess we better pray. Stop treating prayer as your last resort. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Start with prayer. When you feel this irrational fear coming over you. Ask God to help you recognize the irrational fear. Right? 
Thank him for all the ways that he's taken care of you in the past. Next, get your mind right. Philippians 4.8, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. I used to have a coach. You know, normally this happened at halftime during the basketball game, right? You know, if he didn't think I was on it. Harris, you need to get your mind right. You need to get your mind right. He never called me by my first name, right? He didn't think I was being aggressive enough. Get your mind right. We got to get our minds right. We got to think about what we're thinking about when this irrational fear takes over. We got to take our thoughts captive, control them. Remember how God's taken care of you in the past. When God does take care of you, by the way, make a, write it down. You know, I've got this journal thing, and I haven't always been faithful to do it. But I can look back and see eight years ago how I was petrified about something, right? You know, it was, the, it was my whole world at the time. And now I can say, hey, God took care of me in that. We forget, we forget, we forget. Write it down when God protects you, when he takes care of you. You want to fight your addiction to fear? Remember what God has done for you in the past. Expect God to do something great in the future. Stop imagining worst-case scenarios, right? Try imagining a best-case scenario every once in a while. Expect God to do great things. And finally, get, get group support, right? Get group support. Sunday morning is a great place to, to, to start, but a house group in the middle of the week is a better place to end up. Rows are great, but circles are better. Get, in, get connected. Get connected with people. What have you voluntarily given control of your life to? Um, you might as well face it. You're addicted to what? Right? Um, what's your thing or things? You may say, you know, Todd, this, I mean, you know, the phone thing, you know, that's a little thing. It's a little thing. Let me tell you something to use Paul's illustration about running. Uh, here's what I found. I tried to do a little long distance running, right? And I, man, I never thought I would run a mile. But I've done it, and I found out I like it. But here's something that I've learned about it. When you're running 10 miles, 11 miles, whatever it is, you got people who run marathons. When you're running, everything matters. Everything matters. The fabric of your shirt matters. The thickness of your socks matters. Everything matters. Because one little thing, right, that you think not important, wait till that blister develops on the heel of your foot in mile eight, and you've got a long way to go. Right? Didn't seem like an important thing at the time. It just seemed like a little thing. Why make a big deal out of it? I'm telling you right now, everything matters. Paul says, don't be a slave, don't be controlled by anything, because he knew that that little thing that you think is not that big of a deal creeps into your life and can throw off your entire race. There are no small addictions, right? We must not be controlled by anything. In the end, hey, it's your decision, right? I mean, pastor can, we can talk about this stuff on Sunday morning, 
We can talk about it in house groups. But on Monday morning, it's your decision on how you're going to act, how you're going to live your life. You've heard a lot of bad advice over the past four weeks. But you've also heard a lot of good advice. And I hope that in those areas of life, you'll take it and you'll apply it. Right? You'll apply it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and come down. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead uh, and, uh, and come up. Uh, and then I've got just a couple of things uh, uh, to add, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be in your house this morning with your people. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to give to you. Uh, all that stuff, it's all yours. Everything belongs to you. My money belongs to you. My house belongs to you. My car belongs to you. Everything is yours, <coughs> Father. I acknowledge it. And I acknowledge that the goal of my life should not be my comfort, my happiness. It should be honoring you. Because when I cross the finish line one day, when I get there, I want to be able to say that I lived every part of my life for your glory and not for mine. In Jesus' name, amen.